In this week's podcast episode, I'm going to be showing you how you can bring a play-based learning approach to your Easter. Hi, my name's Kimberly, and I'm founder of Casey Consultancy, which is an international hub for supporting early years teaching, training, and inspiration. With all the work I do, I'm all about empowering early educators to be the very best version of themselves by creating that perfect blend of professional knowledge and development alongside valuing your well-being and self-care. So hi, happy Hugo Friday to you all. I hope you're celebrating today with something sweet and wonderful. So today I thought we could have a little bit of a chat about Easter. It's going to be upon us shortly and in Scandinavia Easter is a huge celebration. It's really about marking the spring weather coming and just being able to get outside even more and embrace the great outdoors. So I thought that we could talk a little bit about how we can plan our time and our play um, leading up to Easter to make sure that it doesn't completely take over what we're doing but it offers us some balance. Um, and I'm going to share with you a few ideas of things that I've done over the last 15 years as well in, um, in early years. So I hope you find it really, really helpful. Um, as always, I'd love to know if you're listening to the podcast, do send me a screenshot or hashtag me in something that you've tried after listening to it using hashtag Hugo in the early years and I'll try my best to respond and share again in my stories. It's always nice to get a little bit of feedback on the podcast. Obviously whenever I do an Instagram live or even just post something in my stories I can see who's looking at it but it becomes a lot trickier when I put the podcast out there and it takes a lot of time to put the podcast together with the writing of it the editing and then the publishing so I need to know that people are listening so tell me let me know <laughs> right so let's dive straight in so Easter it's really easy, isn't it? And I talk about this all the time, that when there's a particular festival or at certain points in the year, it's really easy to get back into the old habit of just dressing each area of the provision for that theme or celebration. And instead, we want to focus on leading with a few hooks in your adult-initiated sessions that are going to grab your children's interests and lead them to be curious and wanting to know more. So it could be, for example, sharing an Easter story and then having one or two areas of your provision sorry, with invitations to explore this further. So you're allowing the child to think, right, I've really enjoyed that. I want to know more. I want to play with those ideas more. And then it means that the children that don't want to explore this can still head into the areas of provision and they can develop their own lines of inquiry and just develop their own child initiated play without you forcing them to do something that's going to create low levels of engagement and involvement. So when we're taking this approach, it frees up us as adults from spending so much time filling each area of provision with resources that might not get used um, and that might not get used in the way that we have intended and instead we can prioritize our time and focus our efforts on the things that will make the biggest impact. 
So with this in mind, I'm going to share with you now a few little snippets of things that I've tried over the years, maybe a few provocations or invitations to play. Now, as I'm sharing these, I want you to remember that all of these ideas were not just done in one year. These were taken from a range of different years and a range of different settings. So as I'm talking about them, I haven't got all of these things out in my provision at the moment. It's about knowing your children, knowing what's going to interest them and putting out your little invites to explore in that way. And if you do need a little bit of help in setting up provocations and even knowing what the difference is between a provocation and an invitation to learn, then you might find my brand new online course really helpful. It's called Provocations to Learn and it's takes less than an hour to complete, but by the end of it, I know you'll just be bursting with excitement about how you can make your provision more engaging. So do give it a try if you need a little bit of support. Okay, so the first thing is some clay eggs. So using our clay, which is out every single day in the areas of provision, it's part of our continuous everyday provision. It's inviting the children to create their own egg shapes using the clay. And in here, I added in some lovely natural treasures that we might have found around springs. So blossom and flower petals, leaves to allow the children then to decorate their eggs. And it might be here that you offer an invite to create some repeating patterns on these. So you've got a little bit of maths in there. I always like to put in um, a few sort of small world creatures as well, just so that it makes the area look really, really inviting. And I always say that when we're setting up a provocation, it shouldn't just be about making it beautiful, but that does need to be part of it as well. Because if it doesn't look enticing, if you as an adult don't want to play there, then the children won't either. So there has to be an element of making something beautiful, I believe anyway. So yeah, trying to create it. You might have a stimulus there of some repeating patterns perhaps, but you're leaving it still really open-ended that allows the children to just go with the flow. And if children don't make repeating patterns, if they don't use the clay to make eggs, then that's absolutely fine. These do look beautiful though. Um, hung up on the wall so we use air drying clay we put a little hole in the top and then you could just hang them up or hang them on a tree even and make your own celebration tree that was my first idea the next was creating an easter garden so after telling the story of easter the traditional easter tale um from the bible we actually went outside and we did a forest school session with the reception children that we had and this was just completely child-led it was really just like one of those wonderful moments where the children have taken something they've heard and they just go with it without the adult even needing to suggest it or do anything with it so that was good it meant they that it really did grab them. So um, I had two children, Charlie and Holly, who decided that they were going to make their very own Easter garden. So they collected lots of foliage from the forest floor and they even found an old plant pot that had been left in the allotment, which is at the side of where we did our forest school. 
and they used this as the cave and then they started creating their garden and using different loose parts pieces like sticks to be the different characters of the story and the level of engagement was so high here that we decided that we needed to find a way of bringing this story back and into our provisions so we um collected a big sort of tough tray and gathered up all the things the children had been using and we brought it into the classroom because the children didn't have the everyday access to the forest school provision at this point it meant that they could still play with what they'd been doing once we were back in setting so this worked really really well and it was lovely to hear all of their um storytelling that they were doing and they adapted the story in their own way as well. Fabulous learning opportunities here and lots of ways that we as adults could sensitively interact to find out exactly what they understood about the story and about what they knew about gardening as well. That was a really interesting twist on it. Okay, the next idea was um, collecting some loose parts from nature and finding some egg-shaped leaves and then decorating your egg-shaped leaves with your little bits of nature. So this was a really lovely hands-on activity to do while out on a nature walk. And you could even um, use some little sticky tabs or some sticky tape on the back of your nature so that you can actually stick these to the leaf and take a photograph of them, maybe make a card with them. Um, but they're just a lovely way again to uh, explore nature. Okay, the next idea is egg counting and sorting. So um, here we had some empty egg boxes and we had some different play eggs with different textures and made out of different um, materials or different sizes. And we just set it up as an invitation to explore along with the story, we're going on an egg hunt by Laura Hughes. And the children had some Pneumacon, they had some lovely um, wooden numerals from John Coverdale Woodcrafts and they just enjoyed exploring these and thinking about their own mathematical ideas and concepts in again a very open-ended way which allowed us to just sensitively interact and scaffold and challenge that learning where necessary. We also added some small world bunnies here and a few little um, wooden flowers and petals as well just to again make the area look really interesting. And I forgot to say at the beginning of this podcast that if you'd like to see any photographs of what I'm talking about in today's podcast episode, you can head straight over to my blog at www.whogetintheearlyyears.co.uk and you can check out some photographs of all of these things in action. Okay, the next thing that we enjoyed doing was making some bunny biscuits. So we picked up um, some bunny shaped um, cutters. I think these were just from Lakeland a few years ago. And we made some gingerbread biscuits. And the lovely thing here was that the gingerbread recipe was very easy to follow. And it allowed for lots of mathematical learning, lots of turn taking, sharing. And it was such a lovely treat for us to share on our Hygge Fridays. So um, yeah, I definitely recommend trying to fit in a little bit of baking where you can this Easter. Okay, and then I have just got, oh, 
two more ideas that I'm going to share with you. So an open-ended maths game. So here we use one of the lovely gridded boards from the Early Excellence Centre. And we had a collection of um, baby animals or things that you might see at springtime, maybe some uh, tadpoles, frogs, lambs, ducks, geese, that kind of thing. And we set them up as characters that had to race across the game board to try and get to the Easter eggs at the other end. So this is lovely because you can really add as much challenge as you'd like here, depending on the age and stage of your children. So for us um, in reception, towards the end of the reception year, we added in a little bit of further maths onto here. So doing a little bit of addition and taking away so that if a character landed on a part of the gridded board, they maybe had to like add two or take away one just to add a little bit more challenge there. Um, and here we just used a dice, but you could use a number spinner. We also had the story again of we're going on an egg hunt to support this as a stimulus. And I used a little bit of um, ivy garland, which was, I think, from Hobbycraft and some small world trees, just again to add a really nice context to it. And then lastly, small world play. Now this is where we can get really inventive in the way that we set our small world areas up using things like trays, crates, um, plant pots even. So here, if you head over to my blog, you'll see that I have used a plant pot. So I've got um, a circular concrete pot and inside we've got quite a mossy type of plant in it. And then I have added some small world spring animals, some eggs, some little tree slices and sticks along with the story, Little Chick, to see how the children respond. And I think that when we use real materials in our small world play, it really does add another dimension to the play. It's great for sensory development. So give it a go. Try creating a small world scene in a plant pot and let me know how you get on. Okay, so that's that for um, ideas of things that we have tried over the last few years over Easter that have worked really well and going with the child's interest. I just want to share with you now a little bit of Easter reading that you might want to look at. So for the younger children, so our toddlers, our babies even, the Spots First Easter by Eric Hill, which is super, and That's Not My Chick, which I love um, that series of books by the Usborne uh, Touchy-Feely Collection, really good for sensory development and early language. And then for your older children, um, I love Poppy and Sam's Easter egg hunt. Um, I like the version of the Hungry Caterpillar, which is the Very Hungry Caterpillar's Easter egg hunt. And then there's also, which came out, I think it was last year, Five Little Easter Bunnies, which again, I believe is by Laura Hughes. So some of my favorite books there to try. And if you need any support with your nature-based learning, especially for spring, do check out some of my curriculum guides that I've got um, over on my Etsy shop. I've recently released a literacy in spring guide, which has got lots of phonics ideas in it for you. And also there's a maths in spring guide there. Okay, well, I am going to head off now. I've got a few more jobs to finish on this Friday afternoon. 
And then I'm going to go outside and repot up my sweet peas. They have just grown like mad over the last week or so. So I need to repot them into a deeper pot so they've got lots of room for their root growth, which will then help them to grow really tall. And then I look forward to planting these later on, um, so probably late spring um, with my roses, my climbing roses, because I think they look really lovely there. Okay, well, have a great weekend and I will be back next week. Take care. Bye.